This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. October 1955. Somewhere in the Alaskan mountains. The bus took a hard turn around an icy corner, causing all the men inside to hold their breath. The driver's view was hidden behind a solid barrier, while the rest of the vehicle's blacked-out windows prevented any passengers from seeing the surrounding landscape. A collective exhale was felt, regaining control as they raced on towards a remote location they were never meant to know. Electrical engineers, physicists, geologists, this transport was bringing in some of the United States' best minds. But for what? No one was to speak during this ride, and the details given prior were vague, to say the least. After an hour of travel, the bus finally stopped, the men inside getting the first glimpse of their surroundings as they passed through an opening to the front of the bus. But as they exited onto the snow, something felt particularly strange. There was nothing there. Nothing but a small door jutting out of an icy mound. This was the entrance to a place they never expected to see. An incomprehensible object, and a place that should never exist. Over the past decade, rumors and reports have resurfaced of a massive, pyramid-like structure said to be hidden underground in a chamber beneath the ice, snow, and rock of remote Alaska. Towering over 1,000 feet high, yet buried between remote mountain ranges in a vast ice-covered landscape. If this structure does exist, it could connect us to not only an unknown past, but perhaps also to dimensions beyond our own. Join us on Into the Portal as we venture into the remote wilds of the Alaskan mountains for a discussion of a mysterious megalith known as the Black Pyramid. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we're hitting you guys up with another weird one, hey? Well, I guess that's classic. It is classic. Mm -hmm. No, this one actually is truly classic into the portal. It's missing, possibly buried, ancient, massive structures, so Mm -hmm. that's everything ITP. Ancient mysteries, a a dose of conspiracy, and of course, a lot of very... um, Mm, dubious claims dubious. <laughs> there we go <laughs> <laughs> suspect mm. claims yeah exactly yeah so yeah. welcome back everybody welcome. it's been a minute yes. so uh, we're excited to be back on the mics with you guys here talking about the black pyramid or the dark pyramid i kind of think i prefer the dark pyramid yeah just because we don't know what color this thing actually is there's yeah. only one ale- claim of an alleged witness that said it was a blackish color but yeah but but really the name is uh derived from the the, the conspiracy that there is a 
secret military site mm-hmm. associated with it, which we'll obviously get into. A black site. So black that's kind of what exactly. that references. Yeah. So the Dark Pyramid, the Black Pyramid, this thing is exactly. bizarre. It is. And there, we're basing this off of rumors, reports that have surfaced over the last few years, seem to have been popularized in the last few years, but date back to the 1990s. Yes. And it's of this, like we said, a massive pyramid-like structure that is allegedly hidden underground in a chamber beneath ice and soil of the remote Alaskan wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh, this tower allegedly is over a thousand feet high, which would make it one of the largest pyramids, I think. It would be the largest. I believe, yeah. yes. Buried in this ice-covered landscape. Uh, even more curious is the layering on top of this of an alleged U.S. military black site facility that... Uh, probably has various aims regarding its research, but um, yeah, all what of are you it. Studying exactly right. <laughs> yeah, what kind of mysterious phenomena? All sorts of crazy stuff that we'll never hear about. But it's all located in this area known as the Alaska Triangle, and we've talked about the Alaska Triangle before, right, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the many triangles that we've referenced, we haven't delved mm-hmm. into it specifically. I think maybe when we talked about the horrors at Portlock, yeah, it might have come up with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's honestly one of the worst of the triangles. To be to be quite frank, because it's one of, of the, the most terrain. notorious. Hey? Yeah, yeah exactly. The remoteness, uh, the, the harshness of the environment itself. It's um, like the Great Lakes Triangle, like Bermuda. You know, this anomalous area is perhaps one of the most dangerous, probably one of the most downright frightening locations on Earth. I would argue, absolutely. Especially if you get yourself in a bit of a pickle. Um, but it is one of these places where more people vanish in its dense forest than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. And the stats are staggering. I actually don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it seems to be one of these places where high strangeness lurks Absolutely. Everywhere. We have a few stats uh, further in, into the episode with, with the Alaska Triangle. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with like Missing 411, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. which has some controversial elements to it, but True. still has a lot of, I mean, things that are irrefutable. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't really look away from bizarre disappearances in this location. And whether exactly. or not that's a associated with this massive ancient structure, if it indeed exists. (gasps) Maybe it's people, I have a whole new conspiracy angle. What if these people have encountered the pyramid only to be taken by Ooh. the black ops. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, or, or by other other otherworldly <laughs> forces, <that> potentially. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Absolutely. So this is the story of this bizarre pyramid in mm-hmm. a place where it just shouldn't be. And I think that's what makes it the most, that's that's what makes it into the portal for us, right? Mm-hmm. It's completely out of place. and seemingly, seemingly. For our timelines, archaeologically speaking, exactly. we don't have any sort of record of anything existing this far north. It would flip it on its head. It would completely mm-hmm. flip it on its head. Immediately reminded us of the film uh, Black Mountain side that we yeah. did for Film Friday uh, <clears throat> several years ago. Did we actually do that for yeah? We did. Oh, we yeah, did. we did. And we actually reached out and we got a hold of Shane Twerden, who was the main actor oh, and the yeah. and the writer of the film. Uh, he was trying Crazy. to start his own podcast at the time called Into the Pines, and he did like two episodes, one on oh, the Windigo and yeah. one on something else, and then he kind of didn't continue with it. Damn. But, but you should have partnered with us. I know, Into I know. Into the Pines and well, the Portal? Many, ITP, several, ITP. <laughs> yeah, okay. actually, yeah. That's kind of wow. crazy. No, serendipitous. <laughs> but anyway, let's delve right into this. So for us... The research started with this 1990s date. So the story surfaced in the early 1990s of this strange, unknown, definitely ancient and possibly otherworldly structure. The, a legend that described this as way more massive than the Great Pyramid of Giza, which is obviously enormous, which we've talked about in our Great Pyramid of Giza episode. Mm-hmm. Partially buried, I mean, like it's underground, but 
there was some descriptions that you might even be able to see part of it from the air, but a thousand feet, it's like a thousand feet underground is a long way underground. I know, it makes me wonder if this exists at all, like what processes, like erosional, like, you know, like there must have been a period of glaciation that would have like deposited a lot of material on top of it. And, exactly. and then obviously having the, the existing conditions as they are. Exactly. Like, you know so I mean? already Ice. that's just like mm-hmm. so many questions with the timeline of this. But even more significant is that this structure is reported to be able to generate massive amounts of energy. Energy that could hmm. be harnessed to various different ends, which would make sense if there actually is a U.S. military black site researching this. So this is the case of the Alaskan Pyramid. And it starts off in kind of an unexpected way when there's this alleged, I'm going to quote unquote here, a group of scientists, presumably employed by the U.S. government slash military, who were reportedly picking up different seismic readings, uh, different research facilities, you know, just generally studying earthquakes, which we still don't actually understand all that well. Mm-hmm. But then they they broadcasted these findings that when they were looking at these seismology charts and their readings, that they had accidentally discovered an unexplainable structure beneath the surface of the Alaskan wilderness allegedly located using this seismic equipment, and that it resembled a pyramid structure. Hmm. Now, this story first surfaced from a guy by the name of Doug Mutchler. I think think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mutchler, Mutchler. Mutchler, Mutchler. Sounds like a German, Austrian type name. And he basically claimed that he witnessed a broadcast on television that was talking about Chinese government experiments, uh, nuclear tests. So the Chinese government conducting different underground nuclear tests somewhere in the northern deserts of their country. And we checked into this, and it, it was, that part did add up. There was records of uh, May 1992, the, the Chinese government was conducting underground nuclear tests, and those reverberations could be read by, by seismologists across the world, essentially. Mm. So the reports were that these blasts sent shockwaves all the way to Alaska, right, initially. And this activity was thought to be just a larger earthquake. So they used this situation for general testing and then revealed this massive pyramid-like structure, too perfect to not be built by some sort of intelligent design, presumably, Hmm. because otherwise they they would have just thought it's just like, I don't know, like a weird rock formation underground, I guess. Like, it looked man-made Yeah, is how the that story was, goes. That's sort of one of my big questions with this whole story was that whole, like, why were they doing these seismic readings here? Like, was it the result? Like, I guess Muchler's the only one that would be able to... Actually, no, well, we did independently verify that they were doing Chinese nuclear tests. Yeah, we did. Because I they, was under the impression were. at first that it was the actual scientists that were setting off detonations and then studying the seismic effects of those detonations. But I guess could have come from a foreign source. I mean, d- to be honest with you, like I, we, we didn't get that far. Like there, there, that information doesn't exist. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, I do know that earthquakes are not well understood at all. So there are a lot of different True. like stations across Alaska, across like other parts of like the northern part mm-hmm. of our continent and stuff like that because we do not understand it and it is getting worse in certain places. I mean, we're just waiting for that fault to go for Vancouver. Poor mm. Richmond's going to be underwater at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, I should say, too, I, I think we just left this out here, but Doug Mutchler, so we, we have some more details on him in a second, but he was a former U.S. counterintelligence officer, which is essentially just like, you know, counterterrorism. You're mm-hmm. looking into, you know, dubious things online. You're looking at, like, threats both domestic and international against the state. Mm-hmm. And he was contracted and working at this facility in in Alaska or in Alaska when he was basically just in a break room. So he's, they're in a break room eating lunch. There's like 20 plus mm. people in the room. I think I have the number down below and they're all watching this broadcast and it's just like they're watching the news. Picturing, picturing him being like Jack Bauer. 
Yeah, Jack Bauer <laughs> with the duster. I don't think Jack Bauer had a duster. Oh, I'm just thinking of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of like 24 when he's all these counter-terror, you know, counter-terrorism missions and whatever else. But anyways, I don't think uh, Doesn't Dennis name his cat a... Jack Bauer? What? In It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And he's always oh. talking about Jack Bauer with like the I duster. I think so, yeah. Anyway, oh I digress. I digress. I actually have the, the more uh, detailed version of this here. So 1992, they're at a, a facility in Fort Richardson, Alaska. So it's a local news broadcast, you know, presumably that they're witnessing. It's a group of military personnel. They're stationed there at this facility in the Alaskan forest. They're in a break room, common area, watching on a single screen. screen excuse me. Uh, U.S. Army Counterintelligence Warrant Officer is the exact title of Doug Mutchler. At least that's what he was employed as at, at the time. Okay. They're in this break room, and he says there actually there's about 40 of them in the room. Sorry, I said 20. There's double that. About 40 personnel in the room watching this broadcast uh, around dinner time, and they were talking about these these tests, these these nuclear tests. Um, roughly in the area of Mount McKinley, Alaska, uh, is where the readings ended up being picked up by these um, the seismology uh, stations that mm. were in the U.S. So Doug Mutchler kind of like, you know, in his head, he's looking at this, he's kind of like, wow, this is really strange, and it's <laughs> this is kind of like in our neck of the woods here, right? So mm-hmm. he obviously is like super into this. He's 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 got a curious mind. He's already a counterintelligence officer. He's obviously going to have, like, more questions potentially than the average person because it seems like the rest of the room didn't really either take it too seriously for one or think it was that paranormal or Or conspiratorial or anything like that because he was the only one that allegedly the next day tried to find out where this broadcast was actually coming from if he could get a copy of the tape. So that's where we end up having him trying to, yeah, figure out where he could get this from, and he visits the the television station. Okay, yeah. So this was a local television station. It's called Anchorage TV, Channel 13. Channel 13? I'm yeah. picturing, like... <laughs> it was an NBC station, like a... Tim and Eric awesome show. Tim and Eric. <laughs> <laughs> the only married uh, news anchor. Jan and Wayne Schuyler. <laughs> The only married news team in the Tri-County area. The Tri-County, yeah, that was it. Okay, so yeah, this is local TV, and the title of the story was called Alaska. They found a pyramid bigger than any in Egypt, and this was where these alleged scientists, the three scientists, which were unnamed and continually are unnamed throughout this whole thing, were reporting these findings. So Muchler decides that he's going to take it upon himself to go down to the station, and he asked to speak to the GM, hoping to get a copy of the footage. However... It was bizarre in the fact that the GM of the station ended up denying that the broadcast had ever gone out or that they even contained the footage on the site at all. Right. They had never heard of it, allegedly. <sighs> but the story does get even juicier. So as Muchler is leaving the station, bewildered by the series of events he's been caught up in, uh, someone who claimed to be an audio engineer in one of the offices came up to him and told him that she had overheard the question and that he was being lied to, that the broadcast did air... But there was nothing that she could do to get him the footage. Mm. It seemed it was essentially accidentally aired, which is even more bizarre to me. Kind of adds that conspiracy angle. Yeah. And uh, footage that now seemed to be attempted to be covered up. Maybe they aired it. The scientists didn't realize they were revealing such sensitive material or information. And then right. basically, right. as soon as it aired, the government, you know, they get the crackdown kind of thing. Yeah. Who knows? There's uh, been all sorts of suggestions along these lines. Yeah, um, there's actually a couple of the sources that we looked at uh, suggested, including the the documentary, and if, if you can call mm, it that. Uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll reference that's, that in that's a bit. A but generous yes, statement. <laughs> there were some uh, references, though, that this audio engineer uh, stated to Muchler that there was actually two 
clearly, like, essentially men in black, like, two government personnel, unnamed, no badges, no whatever, that just came in and, like, took the tape. Interesting. Okay. So whether or not that actually happened or not, we we can't confirm. Mm -hmm. But the point of this is, is, like, if this structure does exist and and the government's trying to cover it it up or the military is trying to cover it up, Mm -hmm. then that would suggest that the reports of it being an energy-producing monolith, megalith, might be true, and if that's true, it would be so much more ancient than anything we could possibly fathom. It would flip mm-hmm. history on its head, but it also would. potentially be linked to something that is otherworldly. Uh, I don't want to go ancient alien in the sense that, like, someone came down and told, you know, a pre-civilization how to build it, mm-hmm. but maybe they built it themselves. And what for, I don't exactly know. Maybe to we can speculate on this later because it gets a little bit crazy into the UFO world. I have a theory that's not... Anyways, we can get to that in a second here. But, but yeah. we're left with this mm-hmm. question of what other pyramid structures are hidden beneath the surface that maybe are we don't... That, to us, just should not be there. Because if this does exist, then what else? You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. of course, we're just dealing with this for today. I know, and, like, it is kind of funny because, like, it's so out of place... And I feel like, you know, some another angle you could take that's not, it is still conspiracy angle for sure, but the idea that the U.S. government wants to cover this up because they don't want the other nation claiming sovereignty over any sort of land in Alaska. Yeah, you know the Arctic's I mean? already a tenuous situation for sure, like yeah. north of them. So, so it's, just thinking uh, politically speaking, like that sure. could be very consequential. Well, and it's also very strategic. I mean, the military, the U.S. military, obviously in partnership with the Canadian military too, like they want a stranglehold on the north. So yeah. there's a lot of military installations in Alaska and that part checks out. Yeah. That part adds up. Um, but uh, yeah, so like just to, just to kind of like emphasize this though, it's like, so if this is there, it's not only buried underground, but it's also resting beneath an extensive, albeit like it is melting of course, but an extensive layer of snow and ice, meaning that this pyramid has been there for quite some time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's bigger than the Pyramid of Giza, that is just something that we would need to deal with. Like I, that my brain can't even... Con- comprehend that right a superstructure that's so ancient mm-hmm. that it com- com- completely change our understanding of history as we know it so this definitely requires a little follow-up here because <laughs> right now we just have this story from doug mutchler and we need to let everyone know how this actually came to light well exactly he he didn't have a podcast he didn't go on uh Lana <laughs> he was on coast to coast <laughs> no he was he was at or well clips he of him were uh, my, audio yeah. clips of him were but he reached out to a investigative journalist, is how we're going to describe mm. her. We'll get into that a little bit more later. Named Linda Moulton Howe, and uh, it's becoming a bit more mainstream at this point, obviously, because she's in the UFO world and in the paranormal world. And it really, really became a little bit more mainstream on July 26th of 2012. But Linda Moulton Howe sort of added to this story by bringing the military angle in when she was on Coast to Coast AM. Everyone mm-hmm. listening to the show knows of, of Coast yeah. to Coast. And in this particular episode, Howe broadcast in a pre-recorded interview that she had with Mutchler. Mutchler reached out to her and let her know that he had witnessed this on TV, that he had gone to the station and that was turned away and then told by the audio mm-hmm. engineer that he was lied to. Yeah. And he held on to this for many years until, well, mm-hmm. actually, there's more to this. A couple of years later, he finds out some more juicy bits, still yeah. holds on to it, doesn't know what to do with it, and nearly a decade later reaches out to Linda Moulton Howe. It's, it's kind of an interesting timeline if you think about it. That's a lot of time. But he did say in his initial letter to her that he had tried to share this information with other 
people, other authorities. I don't know. He is not yeah. specific in who those are. But no. he says that he's been continuously brushed aside, ignored, or just not followed up with. So that's yeah. why he's reaching out to her to see if she's interested in the information. And then, of course, she grabs this and just takes it. It's wildfire. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And... This is where the this juicy nugget comes out. So she has this pre-recorded interview that she had with, with Mutchler that she was given permission to air on Coast to Coast. In this interview, Mutchler stated that he, after he was stationed in Alaska, he was relocated to Fort Meade. And uh, obviously having this incident from 1992 uh, in his head. So Fort Meade is the location of the NSA headquarters, the Nas- National Security Agency mm-hmm. headquarters who he was obviously affiliated mm-hmm. with being a counterintelligence officer. NSA, when he was there, yeah, exactly. And um, Edward Snowden, anybody, they keep secrets. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so he's there and he is, he's a, presumably this guy is pretty chummy. Like he's good at like making relationships with people. Who, Muchler? Muchler. Mm-hmm. Because he buddied up to a couple of different people in the records like, the people that actually were the key holders to some of the records. Mm-hmm. And obviously his title would help him being just like, hey, you know, can mm-hmm. I take a look at this? Yeah. He was just sort of like a hobbyist at this point in the sense that he knew of this story from 92 but wanted to find out more. He allegedly found documents that were verification of this pyramid's existence, that hmm. were hi- that were top secret, secret. Top secret documents yeah. at Fort Meade. So Interesting. I guess he wanted to wait a little bit to let that cool off before he mentioned it to Linda Moulton Howe because when he pulled these documents, he was only looking at them for a few hours, is what he described. And then higher-ups came into the room and said, why are you looking at this? It's need-to-know only. Mm -hmm. He wasn't actually punished for it, but he they were taken away and he only got some information out of it. And obviously he wasn't allowed to bring any copies or write any notes or do any of that kind of stuff. But he did get the alleged confirmation. Hmm. Uh, So we have a couple of quotes here from Mutchler, too, that are pretty interesting. Yeah, so this is from his interview, the recorded interview with Linda? I believe so, yes. Uh, Because he did say here... He's talking about uh, Fort Meade people, and he says here, I thought maybe they had something about this pyramid. So this is not very grammatically correct, but it says, <laughs> So I looked up what a librarian would be, and I asked him if he had anything about archaeological sites. I didn't say pyramid, but I said, quote, archaeological sites are underground facilities in Alaska. And from what I read afterward, it's reported to be an archaeological construction, architectural construction, sorry, built by an ancient civilization with the power to generate enough electricity to supply not only all of Alaska, but probably much of Canada also, end quote. Well, that would be nice for the Yukon, wouldn't it? So this just to me is problematic, though, too, because if, if well, actually, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe this pyramid is a special pyramid. It's not like the other pyramids that we see in Egypt. Right. But if it is kind of the same sort of lines, like, how have they tapped into this energy is kind of my next question. But obviously, we don't really get any answers when it comes to that. <laughs> I mean, no, there's definitely speculation on yeah. it. But mm-hmm. at least there's this angle here, just to play devil's advocate, because I think we're, you and I are both leaning skeptically already on this story, even though it is really interesting. Even Super if Because like, yeah. maybe there is a facility, but this is maybe just blown out of proportion mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. as far as the size of a structure or whatever it might be. But we definitely talked extensively in our Great Pyramid, our uh, Underworld of Giza episode and and several other episodes, mm-hmm. like the potential energy harnessing power of ancient structures. Yeah. And there's actual evidence to support some of that. True. Um, yeah. Or theoretical. Yeah. Like, you know, like even the materials are built up, exactly. how they're aligned, the where they're aligned. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But obviously one thing we need a lot more of here, <laughs> if we're going to go down that path, is a little more evidence. Mm-hmm. And... 
that's how I titled this next section, uh, Evidence with a Big Question Mark, because <laughs> Linda Moulton Howe was taking it as evidence, but at least it's corroboration in some way to further the story, even though we don't have the... Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a little bit more to go here. When a man named Bruce <laughs> Pearson okay, Bruce. calls Howe later in the, the same year of 2012, because uh, presumably he heard the broadcast on mm-hmm. Coast to Coast, and he wanted to add a little more to the story. He told her that his father, a guy by the name of Lee Pearson, was a former member of the military special forces decades ago and was also counterintelligence, same as Doug. He had retired in Alaska and was working there, still working uh, in his later years part-time in the 1970s uh, at the University of Anchorage. I don't know what he was teaching, but he was a teacher, a mm-hmm. teacher presumably. But he told his son at this time, because he was older at this point, this has now been, you know, 30 plus years after the fact, this bizarre story about encountering some men that he once knew. And they asked him, or he asked them what they were doing in Alaska. And the two men told him that they were taking a shipment of unknown cargo to a facility that was a black site facility. Hmm. And the reason they told him this is because he used to be working counterintelligence. They knew him. They were friends with him. They knew that they could. He knew the protocol. He wasn't just going to go blab this to everyone. But he did tell his son. Hmm. So this was sort of confirmation that potentially this black site did actually exist. And the story even went further. And he claimed that they actually took him there. Uh, really? He had the day off from Anchorage, I guess, oh my God. and he went on a helicopter ride with these two friends of his, for, as a former counterintelligence officer, mm-hmm. and from only f- didn't go into the facility, but saw that it did exist hmm. from the outside. Hmm. Okay. Didn't descend down any shafts or anything. That almost like I feel like that contradicts uh, one of the other sort of mentions I heard about anyone that comes in or out of this black site is obviously blindfolded and like blacked out vans and all that kind of stuff so they don't know where they're going I mean I wonder so I wonder if those again devil's advocate but there's a lot of different uh, claims that there were specific skill sets brought to this site so electrical engineers chemical engineers, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously structural to, like, build around this underground, all that kind of stuff, and that these individuals were brought in under ultimate secrecy because they were not in the counterintelligence community or were not, like, military, Mm -hmm. like, black ops. They were just being used and the information was compartmentalized. They didn't know everything. They just knew what they were working on. Mm Kind of like how Bob Lazar, if, if you believe that story, describes his experience Mm-hmm. Uh, working on reverse engineering the the alleged downed alien craft. So, I mean, that would be my only explanation for that, for this guy being just, like, totally against the rules, allowed to see this just because he used to work in counterintelligence and happened to know these these two gentlemen. What a well-connected guy. Wow. <laughs> I mean, people do, real special. <laughs> pe- people do break the rules. Like they all, do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I right? you think it's just some jolly old man that's just a retired teacher and used to, you know what I mean? Or not retired teacher, but our teacher now in his retirement years. Well, honey, if you're, and I just, call, I just called Amber honey on the podcast. I think that might be the first time. <laughs> and turn, and, and honey. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> if you don't buy that, 
claim where we actually at least have a couple of names to go by. And I did go- <laughs> and I did Google these names and like presumably they're real individuals. Mm-hmm. I didn't go on Ancestry, but you know what? The names Lee and Bruce Pearson are very, very common. Very common names. names. Maybe that's uh But if you're not buying into <laughs> that story, the next one here coming back to Muchler and mm-hmm. trying to add on to possibly any other corroborating evidence or claims, this one yeah. is a little a little even more vague because we don't actually have a name. That's true. Well, we do have a name. It's just it's just like a John Doe. John, John Smith. John, John Smith. Yeah, exactly. And so this is encountered after, obviously, the initial contact with Mutchler and how she decides that she wants to find out if there's anyone else who could have seen this singular broadcast that was back in the early 90s of this massive pyramid. So she puts out to her online audience, and she does get a response. Uh, She receives an email from a person that, like we said, only identified themselves as John Smith. Uh, Either that or that's what she came up with to call him something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like she might have known the name, but yeah. Yeah. Right. So he wrote to her stating that he was actually the adopted son of a former Western electrical engineer who prior to this 1990s discovery or broadcast discovery of the discovery was actually contracted to work in this underground military research facility in remote Alaska between the years of 1959 to 1961. Timeline is going back. So it's going back. And, you know, it's funny, too, because a lot of the high strangers in Alaska does date back to the just bef- after the post-war, in and around World War II era kind of thing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of interesting, like, UFO encounters, just unexplained phenomena, things of that nature. Totally. But anyways, <clears throat> so this former Navy engineer... He was recruited to work on this project, and he said that he worked about 700 feet underground. And he was adjacent to what was believed to be a giant pyramid. And the project was named aptly the Black Pyramid. <laughs> Let's just keep it simple, guys. I, I feel like, like I feel like that was couldn't have possibly been the name. I feel like it couldn't have, or it is that, but that doesn't even refer to a pyramid at all. No. Like, it's like, you know, like, it's a code, like, they, they use all the time. Like I Maybe know, it's for, not a pyramid structure. Well, exactly, and it's just been misnomered, and, like, right. now everyone takes it too literally. And like, the like, seismic readings were just, like, misinterpreted, and, like, yeah. what you saw was partial natural structure, and then something else that maybe is weird? I don't know. There that, could be something strange. Right. It could be some material, there could be something of value down there that we're just not aware of. Right. But anyways, it was allegedly called the Black Pyramid. And John Smith claimed that his father spoke to him after his retirement about this, but only in small detail. Uh, the main one, obviously, being the pyramid himself, or himself, itself, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> which he did speak of quite often. It's interesting because uh, for such a secretive site, it seems that a lot of people seem to know about it. <laughs> but, but anyways. Well, we're so at like, this what, was three where, people? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot of people. So this is where we actually, so this is the detail that I remembered from earlier where him in particular, because he wasn't actually a part of the military, he was just an engineer. Hmm. He was the one that claimed that they were driven in and out with blacked out windows and nobody knew the exact location of this project. Right. But that um, his father was able to discern from the time spent there and also his compass that it was roughly in the area of Mount McKinley. Same as what Mutchler had mm. uh, seen or, or surmised. Yeah. I I feel like the description of being driven in is also maybe a red flag too. Because this is like so remote. It's like, I don't know if there's actually, I well, feel like, like everything's cats. flown in. 
So unless you're flown to like a spot where then you're driven up from it because Mm -hmm. it was like too hard to land or something. But anyway, that's just, that's just nickel and dime in here and getting, we can, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that's. (laughs) Let's not get hung up on that. (laughs) Let's not get too, too hung up on that. It's hilarious because we titled the next section. This is where it starts to get even more strange as if it's not strange (laughs) enough already. Um, Because this is, but really though, this is where we get a more detailed description of the actual inner workings of this alleged Mm. facility. So once they arrived, John Smith stated that they were taken directly to an elevator shaft that ran deep underground where he was going to be working. And once they were there, he could make out this sort of general sense of a massive pyramid-esque structure. However, he was only to be working in a really specific small corner. It was essentially this like office base at the base of this structure. And he believed that they're, you know, they were studying its orientation, its place, its geometry. And it was, like I said, all compartmentalized. He was working on one specific thing and other Mm. people were working on other things where he did not have any connection with or contact with. Mm -hmm. It was believed that it was essentially like this main hub of some sort of defense, defense development for what he believed was new technology for intercontinental ballistic missile protection. <laughs> you know, this is crazy. This is totally... Right now I'm reading... Uh, I'm reading some classic Bond. Oh, yes. Moonraker. And this literally is reminding me exactly of the facility in the way they describe. I, you're totally <laughs> Except it's not a pyramid, it's a missile. <laughs> right. But still, though, though you're, you're totally right. The pyramid could be literally the... Um, the ground zero where, in which it could open up and then a missile would come out. Oh, right. Oh my God, anyways, theories abound. Theories abound. <laughs> well, I, I, this is just like an obvious reason that if it was actually an energy producing, you know, object, megalith, that they would be trying to use it for some sort of uh, energy generating source for developing this technology. It's the perfect place mm-hmm. in the north to, as like a defense location, potentially. But this was like its only known, like, basic function this was its most basic function and when you think about it it's like okay humans we still don't even understand necessarily how our ancient ancestors built things and here we have potentially something that's even older so yeah are we only literally like would they literally be studying just because that's all we can comprehend oh electricity awesome it's a big battery let's harness as much as we can like Mm -hmm. i feel like that's would just be scraping the surface of its capabilities. I don't know. Which is kind of a fun thing to uh, to speculate on. Very it, much well, like the book. Yeah. Anyway. Capabilities, but also like what it could also mean for basic human history. You know what I mean? Like beyond just like some crazy out of this world, like, <laughs> you know, energy yeah. generating powers or whatever. Yeah. Just yeah. the idea that something ancient alone would be existing in this area would be pretty phenomenal. Right. But totally. Of course, we got the fantastical. You have to, you know, level up. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. I did find this part interesting, though. This uh, John Smith, after his retirement, you know, like when he told his son about all this stuff and things like that, his son actually remembered this, too. But at the house when he was young, uh, letters were still coming uh, that were marked top secret, marked hmm. classified, that were for his father. And basically the contents of them weren't anything specific it was just like reminding him <laughs> that you were a part of a really hey just just to let you know just to remind you you should hmm. probably keep your mouth shut that's interesting i guess because hmm. why else would they be sending it to him it's I, just like a, yeah i don't know it's like an alumni letter letting you know what's happening this it's, week it's, at the pyramid it's the quarterly newsletter okay the, <laughs> now amber you're really gonna love this part Mm-hmm. Because we're still trying to stack up some evidence, and of course, Linda Moulton Howe is still trying to stack up some evidence, right? Mm-hmm. And there was another 
claim from 2017, a few years later, from a woman who had a very, very vivid view of this underground facility and the pyramid itself. So 2017, more was added to the story when this woman contacted Howe. Again, she would not give her full name. (sighs) Very frustrating. She had a story of remote viewing. And can you, like, should we just give a brief definition of remote viewing? Do we have that even off the top of our heads? It's essentially like... Well, it's just psychic viewing from one area to another. And I think, yeah, you basically kind of take on the viewpoint of a different person. Yeah. I think most often, but there's probably different... I think there's different versions. Mm -hmm. Heavily, heavily studied by the U.S. military, Mm -hmm. used by the U.S. military for multiple different Mm -hmm. (laughs) goals and Successfully, too. Successfully. Mm -hmm. So it is a real thing. But she had this story that she had been having vivid visions of this massive pyramid somewhere in the Alaska mountains. And after multiple times having this vision, she was actually able to draw a map Hmm. of what she believed was the location of this place. So the key points, she was in this vision, she was taken out into the mountains. She was then taken underground and led by something. She couldn't discern what it was at first, but Hmm. in later visions described whatever it was as a non-human entity, a humanoid-like entity. So this is the first sort of alien connection to this story uh, in in a lot of ways. And also this is where we get the first reference that this structure was made of smooth black stone, Hmm. almost like obsidian. Cool. So that is the reference. So that is the onyx. Yeah. So that is the, the black stone part of the structure where the name partially Mm. comes from. So the main suggestion is that this structure, like other more recently built ancient pyramids, like the ones in Egypt, was designed as a structure for concentrating energy, right? And possibly even channeling it into some sort of an energy beam, (laughs) like at the peak of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. Very much like Nikola Tesla was trying to figure out how to harness some sort of wireless energy goals that could power the Mm. entire earth. Perhaps these structures were linked to very similar ideas, but in a much more ancient time, which we've mentioned many times before. Could this literally have been, you know, like when we, we've got those little charging ports now for our iPhones. Yeah. You plug it, you plug it in and then you just put your phone on top of it. It's just wireless charging. Yeah, exactly. That's how I'm envisioning. Oh, totally. So like if you're traveling, interstellar traveling and you need to refuel and you're harnessing energy that's like produced by this ball in space. You would just go down to the spot and reach, refuel. We've already established the principles in our modern society. It's fascinating. It's actually kind of cool to think about. It is. It is very cool to think yeah. about. Yeah. So th- yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say, like, this just still brings us down to the fact. It's like, why would you build a intergalactic gas station in the remote mountains of Alaska? So we were going to kind of, <laughs> like, talk about the location next because <laughs> this seems pretty out there. It is pretty out there. Uh, the location, like we mentioned, in this Alaskan pyramid, or triangle, I should say. Pyramids and triangles, oh my gosh. <laughs> so many three-pointed hey, pyramids structures. pyramids triangles on them. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, all of this is kind of in one of these areas of a lot of high strangeness. And according to how, according to uh, Mutchler, the pyramid is located about 80 kilometers southwest of Mount McKinley. Right. And it... Uh, you know, which is now called Mount Denali. It's uh, the name has is, been changed. It, it, it's in the area of Mount Denali. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny, actually. I think I saw a reference in a just a random paranormal blog about something to do with 
a black site in and around Mount Denali as well. So maybe they're actually referencing this same, just in a different same. sort of context or <laughs> well, whatever. Well, we do know that in the paranormal world, things get recycled a lot. It, exactly. Yeah. It's a lot of echo chamber effects, a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah, people will probably accuse us for doing that today, but I think our True. speculation will be unique. And this was a requested uh, listener topic. So here, here was, you go, actually. everybody. There you go. But is this location significant in any way? Uh, geologically or like would ancient peoples have had like you know like obviously mounds are highly revered in basically every single ancient culture like you know what i mean it's of just course. A, a symbol of power essentially and a symbol of um uh otherworldliness you yep. know like ascending yep. to the Up heavens to the heavens kind of thing yeah like so many so, cultures have their burials at the tops of mountains and well, stuff, exactly right? like, yeah. yeah so they're closer to that sort of thing so is that could this be theoretically reasons why this would have been built in this area i don't know by like an ancient civilization well, like that. it was a revered location is what or you're it's just such a high altitude location if it was another worldly population building it maybe it's just a little bit closer because it's higher up in the atmosphere <laughs> i don't know you can go okay. all sorts of different okay. directions i guess okay. the star we're going children. crazy full crazy no but, no, no you know it's just having fun crazy. with it maybe i had a question when we were talking about this was like I wonder if this area is really high uh, in quantities of quartz crystal. Like if, there's, <coughs> if there's more interesting geology even within some of these mountains that we don't actually even know of because no one's going in and mining crazy hard to reach, you know, areas of, uh, of the remote Alaska Triangle, basically. Yeah. And I wonder what the contents of some of these, hmm. some of these mountain ranges could, could even be made of. I wonder yeah. if that's part of it, too. That's interesting. Or I, even I, just what the... If it is a black pyramid, like black stone pyramid, right? what that sort of... What is that stone? Because we've heard, obviously, like, you know, with limestone and that sort of thing in quartz, it's all very um, uh, conductive. So that helps yeah. with the theory that, like, they are these massive battery structures or potential massive totally. battery structures. I guess it is also curious that we don't get any... There's no comments on trying to test what the substance is, like what the stone is. We just, mm. we, we just get this re- reference over and over that it's pyramid-shaped and that it's a dark stone. Yeah. But it's not like they're trying to chip a piece off and being like, we c- this is not from Earth. Like, this exactly. is otherworldly stone. It's like the Bet sphere or whatever, right? You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, it's yeah. not... But th- we, don't, we don't get that at all. <laughs> that actually would be quite so interesting. So is it or is it not made of something from Earth? Like, that's kind of an important question. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I digress. We will never know, perhaps, but... Oh, we're going out there next week, babe. We're going to find out. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Road trip. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. We're going to take 20 minutes, bring your, bring your boots. <laughs> Easy. The old boat. The old boat. <laughs> well, something else that we should bring up here, which is quite fascinating, is just generally speaking, um, would we say geography or would we say like human artifacts within geography or geology right. or whatever? Right. Because there's a lot of people out there, especially on the interwebs, <laughs> that uh, speak of many other peaks and apparent natural structures that look like pyramids across the globe. And right. some... Like, we came across this when we were talking about Kincaid's Cave, back when we were talking about the um, yeah, Grand even, Canyon. Totally. Where, you know, it's kind of funny, because there's a lot of reference, a lot of the peaks are named after Egyptian gods and different, like, you know, references to that sort of theology. But why? You know what I mean? And for yeah. me, I kind of was thinking about it, and I was like, come on, like, during the heyday of a lot of these discoveries, there was a lot of egyptology fever it was it was big. so it could have it been a big. part of that just cultural zeitgeist of the moment it was the most epic discoveries most ancient whatever's that they've come across in recent times so perhaps maybe that was why they just used those 
names. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's Occam's razor, for sure. It is, yeah. It's the heyday of this, you know, Egyptian archaeological discoveries. Um, but could it be something more than that? We, I don't know. But there's also mountains and structures that kind of resemble pyramids, but are less perfect, I'll say, I guess. Right, right. And, uh, like, I... Could there be, like, you know, like, we're going to reference, there's a couple different references here. There's the, mm-hmm. a pyramid peak in Alaska. There's also this black pyramid. It's literally a black pyramid of, uh, his name's Amenem, Amenemhat the, the third. third, and that is over in Egypt. And when you look this up on the interwebs, it, like, literally just looks like a crumbling edifice of nothing. Like, it looks like a natural... Rock mountain. formation. Exactly, yeah, that just eroded over time. The other one here that we referenced, too, was this peak in Alaska. And it's about, uh, it's just over uh, 2,700 meters, or 8,800 feet, if you're American. Large. <laughs> it's very big. And it's a mountain summit, and it's located in the St. Elias Mountains of Alaska. Right. It's a peak here. Let me see here. It's uh, about, it's situated in a national park, actually, which is kind of cool. The Wrangell St. Elias National Park. Oh my gosh, that's, I'm just looking at a picture right now. Wrangell. Beautiful. Yeah, wow, crazy. Is that near Wrangell Island? No, just kidding. I mean, it's not too, <laughs> too crazy far away, really. I mean, that's in the north, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit far. But yeah, no, that's, I thought, like, that is so curious that, again, here we have a mountain, a mountain that's named, that's called Pyramid Peak. I just thought that was so, you know, Similarly, and it was named like, in around the same time, too, 1908. Same, same time sort of as the Grand Canyon Heyday sort of thing, yeah. It's so, the heyday, you know. but it's also like, I mean, it's so like, in some ways, I mean, it <coughs> strikes me as like un-American. You know what I mean? Mm. Discover, discovering a peak in your... Pyramid peak. Well, yeah. how many mountains look like pyramids? A lot. Right. It depends on, like, because especially in Alaska, that ruggedness, all of the effects of glaciation and stuff, and just, like, just everything, like, you know, it creates these... Very dramatic, very sharp, like razor sharp, yeah. cliff like looking structures. So I don't, I don't blame them for calling it pyramid. No, very true. And we have so much more on that. I feel like we actually we we're we're sort of just like we're jumping into the triangle here for a second because we had some stats on it. But then there's more about like the mountains that look like pyramids and or maybe some people believe they actually are in different locations around the world. Yeah. So we can get back to that in a second, but. This well, let's, we did let's, mention. Let's, let's mention it now. Do you want to just like, mention it now? Yeah, yeah. Another on the topic. Okay, here. for sure. Because there are these claims, both in Alaska and other parts of the world, that there are potentially more pyramids like the one in this story. Mm-hmm. So, right off the coast of Alaska, there's actually this is pretty wild. Uh, completely unconfirmed. This has mostly just been you know, dug up by you know pe- quote unquote paranormal sleuths uh, using Google Earth and mm-hmm. things like that. But there are some interesting satellite images that show pyramid-like structures off the coast of Alaska, and speculation abound in the paranormal community and the pseudo-archaeology community that these structures uh, are potentially linked to the Black Pyramid located at Mount Denali or Mount Mm. McKinley. So it's a whole complex of pyramids, eh? It's an interesting idea just because there are remnants of civilizations, you know, pre-Ice Age civilizations that this would confirm beyond Mm. 20,000 years. And it would also confirm that it's not an alien battery charging site if there were yeah. other, you know, human culturally cultural sites that could be located ev- uh, even, mm-hmm. cl- you know, right off the coast of Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. ancient civilizations in what is mm-hmm. now the Arctic area of our Earth. I mean, this isn't like completely 
completely beyond the realm of possibility. There's no. been, most recently, this came back into our lives when we were uh, watching uh, good old Shatner <laughs> talking about it on The Unexplained. Oh, yeah. And uh, briefly, they brought up this topic of buried structures. Um, in that episode, they make the suggestion that there uh, are pyramid-like structures that people claim to exist in Antarctica. So definitely a slightly different location, but also mm. a, a polar location. And they seem to be perfect when you look at them, and they would also dwarf the ones in Egypt, much like the Black Pyramid. And one of these mountains, pyramid-like, you know, mass, you know, megaliths, looks perfect. It's got a nearly uh, perfectly square base that's about two kilometers in each direction. The cuts are nearly perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, if it is just completely natural, that's pretty pretty mm -hmm. special. But obviously, we is, do know that's a possibility too. Yeah, this is like satellite photography that we're looking yes. at. Imagery. Yeah, yeah, satellite yeah. imagery. Yeah, Google Earth imagery. But this then, of course, ties into this question. Even even if you don't believe that massive structures were built by ancient civilizations, there's still the question of whether or not they existed at all. Mm -hmm. Forget their capabilities of building massive stuff, right? The and peoples themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and according to Andrew Collins, who we've referenced before, and he was on this, this episode of Unexplained and stuff like that, he was talking about evidence that scientists have, have dug up, quite literally, with core samples in Antarctica that show that it was free of ice in many different locations as recently as 3500 BCE. Interesting. And I don't just mean free of ice as in, like, it's really cold, but it technically doesn't have ice it was it was habitable mm -hmm. and uh this is within the time frame of the ancient egyptians and what about things even earlier right yeah there's yeah, this like... really really interesting connection too that we actually have mentioned i think it was in the menahune <clears throat> episode where the polynesians mm. had stories had mythologies that were located in places across the earth that just didn't make sense mm -hmm. how could you guys have gone that far or come from that direction yeah no kidding and um even remember polynesia that's i'm thinking of like nan madol and like things like that exactly. date a lot for like we don't even know exactly how they constructed that when it was constructed you know so many questions because right? were there other land masses that are now lost that were used as jump as you know landing points mm -hmm. along the way uh to places that now seem crazy remote and completely frozen like mm -hmm. antarctica that's what they talk about in a lot of their mm -hmm. oral history so the uh ancient polynesian people passed on this oral tradition of their ancestors coming from a place that geographically would have been located in Antarctica. That's the point. Because yes. if we're talking about this pyramid structure in Alaska, yeah. if it was actually built by a thriving civilization that maybe may or may not had a connection to a another civilization in the cosmos, potentially, you know, more enlightened than we are today, it would have been presumably warmer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> warmer there at mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So presumably they would have been able to take on these massive construction projects, mm -hmm. theoretically speaking. Right, theoretically mm -hmm. speaking. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to reiterate, too, that the hop guard stuff, all of his ideas, you know, are... It's a it's a mixed bag. A lot of the things he you know he wrote about has been disproven. The ideas of like shift continental shift and like where certain like ice masses were at certain times and stuff. Mm -hmm. But some of it has still led into other like research projects and ideas that have had like some born some fruit or bared some fruit, whatever the phrase would be for that. You know what I mean? Like, so in 2013, this is quite interesting. There was a group of researchers that signed off on this particular study and their thesis essentially suggested that around 20,000 years ago, warming in the Southern ocean melted the sea ice around Antarctica. Mm -hmm. And this would have caused potential massive storms that would have traveled inland and boosted general West Antarctica's warming. Hmm. So this obviously we're talking about a different location than Alaska with the story today. Mm -hmm. But obviously we just mentioned 
other ideas of pyramids or structures in Antarctica, like a place where there shouldn't have been civilization per se. So this does show that there potentially could have been, you know, the warm areas of this landmass around, you know, before the last ice age, which is kind of wild. Yeah, like that's that one timeline there. And, and you know, like we could even be talking about even a more ancient timeline, you know, when we're considering right. the Arctic example, but... Or, the Alaska example, I mean. But, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, no, that's super fascinating it to is. think about. Totally. And then, like we mentioned already, the core samples there, uh, 2017 was that one I referenced earlier, uh, earlier, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, where they had a drilling rig that pulled up, a, like, a ton of different sediment layers that showed essentially that uh, there was areas of this continent that were as warm as North Italy is wow. today, which is a very prominent wine growing region and is a lot sim- is very similar to British Columbia like where we live which gets mm. pretty dang warm you know totally, what I mean yeah hmm, that's uh, very crazy <laughs> yeah and then obviously going back even further this is definitely beyond 20,000 years of course there is evidence of ancient ancient antarctica and just polar regions in general that show you know uh temperatures that would support flora and fauna like tropical palm trees you know relatives of of modern crocodiles and lizards and things like that mm. So it's the history of our earth is just complex and bizarre and super fun. And I feel like we've definitely only scraped the surface. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did you want to get into the super weird (laughs) U S secretary of state thing here? With yeah, the, with the pyramid in Alaska, I honestly just tossed it in because I feel like all of these stories with ancient structures mm-hmm. always end up just having the craziest conspiratorial angles to them. Yeah, and it like I always am just straddling this line, like it takes me in and out of it. Because <laughs> when I was looking into some you know very serious or well serious quote unquote articles talking about this stuff, serious with a grain of salt, <laughs> right? Like, but at least it's archaeologists talking about it in a very okay. skeptical way. And then, of course, you come across some of the other stuff, and I think Linda Moulton Howe is connected to a lot of this stuff. And one of them was this bizarre story uh, associating pyramids in Antarctica with extraterrestrials, which is part of the story we're talking about today in Alaska. Mm -hmm. So there was these claims that other pyramids in, in Antarctica... And that they actually exist and that the U.S. government and the military was, you know, aware of these things. And that at the time, U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry... He visited one of these locations and inspected a an alleged alien base located beneath one of them. Okay. <laughs> Very woo-woo. Crazy. Unclear what the structure could be. Um, it wasn't but... claimed to be a pyramid? or No, it was. It was, it was claimed okay. to be a, be a pyramid-like structure. And then we have this photo here, and we'll share it on social media. This is one of the many mountain structures that do that does resemble a pyramid. And does, you know, have the proper dimensions in many ways and yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. So. <laughs> John Kerry in Antarctica. That, and it just took me right aliens. out of it. It's like, okay, John Kerry's just there inspecting alien bases. Okay. This is really recent, too. Just a couple of years ago. Recent. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's the part that kind of almost takes the, you know, mm. the gas out of the tank for me. Where Sometimes. It's just like, it kind of just... Or does it just get hammed up, or, like, online, and he they really are yeah. looking into something there. It doesn't doesn't always have to be, like, the Malibu, the Malibu underwater <laughs> sea alien base, right? That yeah. type of thing. Because presumably there obviously is Antarctic research bases of course. and all that jazz. So it's like, you know, we could have had a perfectly reasonable reason for being there. And but... it just doesn't always have to be extraterrestrial. Like, that's the part that bothers me. Yeah, because this whole conversation, I think the most fascinating quote that kind of got me really excited about all of this in the first place was just this idea, and I don't have an exact quote of it here, but it's this idea that 
Like, think about how quickly we've industrialized. Yeah. Right? Like, it's only been like 300 years Mm -hmm. to get us where we are now, where we're putting out this podcast and iPhones and crazy weapon technology and all this stuff, right? Yeah. So if it only took 300 years to get to this point, is it really that unfathomable to think that there could have been a... In, our, in what we would consider prehistory, mm-hmm. a earlier civilization that already had the same rise and fall that we seem to be just oh, barreling yeah. towards right now. It's only been 300 <laughs> years and we're literally teetering <laughs> on the brink, abandoned. right? Yeah. No, that would totally. be a pretty quick one and done. Oh, yeah. And there's, yeah, there's tons of, like, you know, sci-fi fantasy concepts that play on that. Like, even, like, I'm thinking, like, Cloud Atlas as an example. Of like course. That. But, yeah, no, 100%. I'd love to think about that idea as... as the premise makes sense. Like, there's logic to it, right? Like, it this does. idea that, like, did we industrialized once already millions of years ago and these are potential remnants of that it doesn't have to be an extraterrestrial civilization it's like we are the extraterrestrials on our own planet exactly so to speak Mm-hmm. And maybe in even in the very beginning, it was panspermia, Pansper, uh, right? Where we did come from an asteroid from another galaxy or whatever and happened to accidentally... <laughs> panspermia. Right, right, right. That's the Is idea where it's it? like, you know... I've never heard that term. Yeah, it's essentially the idea that living organisms, like super, super simple forms of life, survived in deep space on some sort of traveling object, like an asteroid, yeah. right? And managed to... That was the origin of, of life, right? Mm-hmm. So... That was the spark, eh? Right. Well, it's a... Getting back to some pyramids, Yeah, though. that's pretty far out there. <laughs> it is far out there, and I'm bringing it back. You know what? Please I'm bringing it back to reality right Please, this second. Because go back. we already mentioned, Amber, you brought up the Black Pyramid of Egypt. Yes. And this was really fascinating this because... This is a real pyramid, This guys. is a real pyramid, <laughs> an actual structure that was constructed uh, during the Middle Kingdom of Egypt, uh, just over 2000 BCE to about 1650. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was constructed by, as Amber already stated, Amenahat the third and his dynasty. But the fascinating thing about this is first off, when we were looking into the subject, it shares the same name. So Mm. I thought it was just coincidence and name alone because I was looking at trying to find things on the dark pyramid, the black pyramid interviews, these types of things. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating in and of itself because his dynasty is actually quite mysterious and the chambers and tunnels leading up to this structure that have now been later uncovered are also quite mysterious. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot, we, we don't know a lot about this guy and his, and that period of Egypt, really. No. But what is particularly interesting that we've, Amber and I, you've talked about this, you and I have talked about this a lot lately, yeah. is the fact that when you look at images of this pyramid, the Black Pyramid of Egypt, not only is it dark in color, which has, you know, is the reason for the name. It's basically this really, really, I can't remember the type of stone, but it's weathered in a certain way where it's it's darkened to this sort of like brownish black color. Br- like I thought it was mud, mud bricks brick or something. That had been like formed. One of the earlier and, forms of construction. And it's in Egypt. why that didn't stick around. Right. It kind of started to decay pretty fast. Exactly. So, I don't know, actually. I can't remember the exact details of its construction. And obviously yeah. each place on planet Earth is going to be unique in terms of how something decays because the materials are, are, are unique. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened with this one. And it looks like a mountain. Yeah. It looks like a natural structure. I'm kind of getting... I'm not even looking at the notes now. I'm just looking at you because mm-hmm. this this definitely got us jazzed up because it sort of plays into the idea that we were just talking about. Kind of forget the woo-woo stuff we just mentioned. But the concept of, say, it's the reverse logic in a way, right? People are looking at a, a lot of what you know skept, skeptics think are natural formations yep. and saying, wow, this looks like potentially an ancient structure. Uh, one of them maybe being hidden in the mountains of Alaska. But 
here we have the flip, the reverse of that, where it is a very mm-hmm. real structure that we do know it's, exists yeah, exactly. and was built it's by like ancient Egyptians, hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And if you weren't an archaeologist, if you weren't searching for information on Amenhat the Third, Amenhat the Third, you would literally walk past this thing and think it is a. It looks like the cliffs. Where near where we live here in British Columbia, where there's these like columnists, like yes, cliff so faces, a lot of clay based soils, uh, a lot of like loam, things like that. And they do tend to erode in these like these uh, these columns, and then they have these like slopes, these like scree slopes that essentially kind of just that they kind of just weather away and they kind of have a natural sort of like gradient to them, obviously, because right. it's just loose right. material. But yeah, no, you look at this picture, like I'm looking at it right now and I'm just like, yeah, I know I would just say, hey, that's just a natural structure right there. I would never have guessed that. Uh, obviously, you need to have a professional's eye. But, like just know, at first just glance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's referred to as the Mighty Pyramid, later dubbed the Black Pyramid for its appearance of mm-hmm. decayed, you were correct, mud brick, its core revealing missing uh, casings and blocks. But it just looks so much like a natural formation. And it just makes us wonder, you know, because it actually looks this way, like what other structures could be sort of, yeah, Mm -hmm. hidden in plain sight that are potentially even more ancient than this dynasty of Egypt that just have fallen apart? (laughs) <laughs> so you know, and, and they and they are just a part of the natural landscape now, and more forceful erosional forces right? or depositional forces yeah. that exact like we're talking about today bury things. Yeah, more, exactly. You know what I mean? It's it seems more unbelievable because of the location, obviously, and the landscape. Because when it comes to say a city hidden in the jungle, well, we we don't bat an eye. Hiding in plain sight is just commonplace. These things yeah. are smothered by the jungle. You're oh, exactly. walking right over top of it, and you'd have no Whole idea. City complex, right? Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. that so that's. That's another thing to kind of consider as well when we're thinking about this kind of stuff too. Yeah, all sorts of ways, like depending on the timeline, depending on how many centuries we're talking about, thousands of years we're talking about here, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of, it's very limiting to think that there couldn't be more out there than we currently have knowledge of, for sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's a great transition here to our theories and thoughts because breaking this down and what what <laughs> what we can believe and what mm. to take with a real big grain of salt is kind of where a I'm pyramid at. Size grain of a pyramid sized grain of salt. A pyramid. It's a pyramid. I can just picture Jim <laughs> drawing the pyramid around Michael's <laughs> on the whiteboard there. <laughs> it's like for me doing it for Linda Moulton Howe. Okay, Linda. Let's think about this. Oh, Linda. Yeah, right. she's probably the one I would take the biggest grain of salt from because... Uh, Honestly, I hate to say it, but you just listen to this chick talk for like five minutes and if you can even get to five minutes and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of cringe, to be honest. There's a, well, a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm trying to, not self-righteousness, but just like. Oh, a uh, lot of self-righteousness. Yeah. Okay. Is that what we're going to call it? For (laughs) sure. Like just very sure of her. Self, right? I'm Which is reasonably fine. sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, hmm. I mean, okay, we'll get to that in just a second. Dubiously just a second. sure. How about that? Sure. I agree. <laughs> sure. I would. I don't disagree at all. <laughs> Dubiously but, sure. Sure. But beyond that, just like the general thoughts and ideas behind what this... What, right. Where do you want to start here? Well, I thought we'd kick it off with what we've been talking about already and just this idea that this could have been left behind by an ancient civilization and then, there, and then building off of that perhaps something not human. Maybe something close but not exactly human. Maybe something that we've then evolved from. Hmm. Very Prometheus-like, perhaps, mm-hmm. in a way. Or sort of like that, you know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. could these be remnants of a much earlier ancient civilization like us in a more ancient history, more prehistory? Or is it possible that a civilization once used the Earth as its home before ourselves or before we were fully developed as we are today? 
And now that evidence is mostly lost to time, but there may or may not be something like this. That's a remnant of that. Mm -hmm. It's a slightly different concept building Mm -hmm. off the same sort of idea. We're constantly focused and fascinated with this idea of like leaving planet Earth, living off of this planet, you know, colonies on Mars, things like that, as resources deplete and our planet warms. But couldn't something like this have already happened in the natural cycle of things? We had to leave. Potentially, perhaps, yeah. I just think that that's not that crazy to think like that maybe that happened i don't know what do you think about that yeah no i think there's definitely i i I like to take the agnostic approach to human history because i do think we're very infantile in thinking that we know right things (laughs) that's just my like you know general stance but like and then i guess it depends it depends on uh just how far back the human species has existed. Well, could it have been something that isn't entirely human, I guess? Like, could it have been a human-like civilization that left this structure behind? And now here we are. Like something that we've branched off of? Like, this is, like, we're not the first people to live here, is kind of what I'm saying. We're not the first renters in this apartment. No, like, are you talking like something that would have been classified as, like, a Cro-Magnon or, like, some sort of distant Denisovans or, like, a subspecies? Maybe those were the remnants of the left-behinds. Right? Like, I mean, like, those were the branches of human civilization that, like, survived from from something Mm. else that was even more, like, older, right? And managed to leave. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I don't know. Yeah, you're talking full Permian. I have zero evidence to back that up. No, of course. Other than the... It's a fun thought, The the potential existence of this pyramid. (laughs) (laughs) Potentially. Exactly. Very, very hypothetical. Right? Because if this pyramid does exist, it shows similarities to in how, you know, humans would think, like, compared to, like, say, an, an alien species, if an alien species built it. Mm-hmm. Because here we are having pyramids all over the all over planet Earth. Yeah. Why did we build them, and why did we build them on ley lines and specific locations and things like that? If you believe in any of this at all, if you believe in any mm-hmm. of this at all, why is it located within the Alaska Triangle, where we kind of skipped over that section? But I mean, well, yeah, you know, like, right where over a thousand people like go missing every year or something like that, or it's like no, it's sorry, just, it's like the per one thousand people, more people go missing than mm-hmm. anywhere else in the world. That's what you said earlier. Uh, up to 2,500 a year within the triangle that are completely never found despite searches. More than 16,000 people have vanished from this area in the last 28 years. I mean, that's is could there be a connection if this Ooh, structure exists? Be a pretty active serial killer in the neighborhood. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no connection to the pyramid whatsoever. <laughs> well, that's kind of a reach to, to connect missing persons with the Black Pyramid. Well, not really, because you were making you. Were, I mean, black, I was making jokes about it about <laughs> like people stumbling across something they're not supposed to. Well, yeah. Well, think of it this way: like if if you want to go real fun, real everything's connected. Shout out to Astonishing Legends mix bag. You got crazy Sasquatch <laughs> reports from Alaska. You got all kinds of other monsters and crazy stuff. You got the disappearances in 411 stuff. The planes. The plane disappearances and prominent figures going Bigfoot missing. Bigfoot sightings. Like, all kinds of stuff. Um, all sorts of, like, the tinglet or whatever. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, another sort of crazy another monster. Cre- yeah, all kinds of different creatures and monsters. And you gotta wonder if uh, <clears throat> it has to be connected to something that's just the battery opening and closing these things. Like, something like responsible dark, like for the German triangle. series we used to watch. Exactly. I mean, we should go back and rewatch that. We can do that. Mm-hmm. We can do that. But that's just like, I don't even know. Like, that just seems, I, I, I do not plan on visiting the Alaska Triangle 
even if this doesn't exist, this structure, if it's not connected to any of the other strange stuff. But we have to mention the triangle, because this is located within it. If it exists, Mount Denali would be within the Alaska Triangle. <clears throat> so you're saying or at least the pyramid defines the triangle, or the triangle defines pyramid? <laughs> I'm saying it's responsible well, for the, the anomalous the energies. <laughs> 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 That's a great question. Obviously the triangle. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. Well, because triangles make up a pyramid, so you okay, have far okay, triangles. Okay, I get square. what you're saying. Okay. But <laughs> I'm talking about the region of, the, the, of danger. I'm really land. dumbing this down. Yeah, yeah, you really are. <laughs> no, it's I like don't. you're working for the unexplained now. <laughs> well, you know what? Someone needs to speak for the everyman. Someone needs to speak for the everyman. <laughs> okay, well, no, what I'm just you? being silly because there's a lot of silliness in this episode for sure, but... You know, uh, going back to the triangle, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of unexplained phenomena. There's a lot of things happening there. And we don't even really have an exact location for this pyramid. So we don't even, we can't even determine whether or not it actually is within those lines or not. Like, we assume it is. Yeah, we have just the rough description that it would be in the vicinity of Mount Denali, formerly Mount McKinley. Why do they have to rename things? What was wrong with Mount McKinley? I don't know. Hmm. I have no idea. I don't know why they renamed it, actually. Yeah, that is strange. I didn't even think to look that up. I don't know why. <laughs> Denali, they named it after the drag queen, Denali. There's just kind of like two very unassuming <laughs> names. So I just was like, okay. Yeah, no, some other guy. Like if they like, switched it from like one of the Egyptian it. peak names, like from the Grand Canyon to just like a boring name. Yeah. I mean, Denali is, sounds a little bit more exciting, actually. McKinley, Denali. McKinley, Denali. Tomato, tomato. There is obviously also <laughs> the precedent, I do have to say this as well, of not only other massive pyramids on Earth, but also ones that are buried. So that's something that's kind of interesting as well. You mean, I mean like within North America, just worldwide? or within? Uh, well, actually, no. Yeah, the one would be within North America because it's in <clears throat> Mexico. In Mexico, yeah. yeah. Not to mention all the ones scattered across America so that, that are either be... unacknowledged or just mm-hmm. have not had any sort of attention put into excavating exactly. them. Like, kind of roughly know there's a lot going on, but exactly. it's just not... For, for, again, political reasons more than anything else, I imagine. Probably. But but it is still kind of strange that we don't know exactly why. So it's the Pyramid Temple mm-hmm. of Cholula in Mexico, which was almost right. completely missed by, you know, the invading Spanish because it, it had been constructed on top of each on top of itself many times and then, mm-hmm. pre- and then buried as well. And uh, so very little is known about this pyramid's early history, even though its construction was around roughly B, uh, 300 BC, ar- archaeologists estimate. Mm-hmm. But... By who exactly started the construction, it's a mystery. Hmm. And uh, there is local mythology that talks about it being built by giants, which Ooh. is which is interesting. I love that topic. It's about 82 Ooh. feet, and uh, this is according to an article from the BBC. It is the largest pyramid as well as the largest monument by volume uh, anywhere oh. in the world. So That's it doesn't insane. actually That's look... Insane. No, and it's, it's, it's honestly just like super... It's about 4.45 4. million cubic meters. So it's honestly just got okay. a lot of got a lot of storage room. It's got some girth. But the point is that it was buried. And I just find, you know, I think that that's, you know, we're dealing with a structure today that's allegedly buried underground, hidden underneath mountains. And that's not Palagot. the only one because there's a lot of different monuments and pyramids and structures around that are obviously built on top of other things like you know like more ancient structures and as we're getting more technology more lidar and all this stuff like it's so fun watching those unearths and things because like there's so many examples of that all over it's not just mm-hmm. north america it's not just europe <laughs> it's fascinating really well and go back go back to tepe is one of the more modern 
sort of finds in that vein. Oh, yeah. And that's just simply bizarre. It's like they don't even actually know why it was built. No. Well over 13,000 years old. Um, buried, buried for reasons unknown. Built for reasons unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, not a city. Almost just seems like it was like a like it's a supposed to be like a snow globe representation, or maybe an offering to the gods, or some sort of like you know, like here is this like sacred space that we. It was definitely a sacred space for sure. Mm-hmm. the The question though is like, why was it so massive? It was. It's enormous. Yeah. Uh, its construction is complex. Its location makes no sense. Uh, and the civilizations that should have been around there at the time it was constructed w- didn't seem to have the organization or size to to w- where it would make sense to build a religious mm-hmm. center like that. It just doesn't add up. There's really, a lot right? of unanswered questions. And so that's that's like, yeah. here we have yet another unanswered, very, very ancient site, one of the oldest on planet Earth. You know, Yanaguni, if that was man-modified, would be older and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it was buried. <laughs> And it was buried at in great haste, and it would have taken a lot of manpower to do that. Mm-hmm. And there was speculation in the doc, air quoting documentary, the Linda Moulton Howe documentary, that potentially they had advanced some sort of advanced technology to not only build, construct the pillars, and, and you know move stuff, but mm-hmm. bury it very quickly too. And why they were burying it is just a total mystery. Yeah, was it some sort of, like, did they get some bad juju from it? Was it, like I said, an offering or some sort of sacrifice? Or was it always intended to be buried? I mean, there's lots of animals on it and stuff like that. It does seem like it's not as extraterrestrial leaning or anything like that, obviously. But it's like when we're talking about... It's more like a temple. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like a... Not a sacrificial, sorry. um, Well, could have been. There could have been parts of that. A symbolic sort of space, you know, for a lot Mm -hmm. of different reasons. I want to move on to this next section, though, because this is one of my favorite ideas, and I'm sure you're just going to love this. (laughs) But it's a super fun concept, and it's the idea that could this structure actually be an abandoned ship Mm -hmm. itself? some sort of an abandoned spacecraft of some kind that still obviously has some of its functional capabilities. We've seen the concept of spacecraft, of extraterrestrial craft, not really being, like, logically how we would build something. Mm-hmm. That's They're monolith- monolithic, mm-hmm. right, in a lot of ways, uh, and, and how they've been described or depicted. That too, And we've also had descriptions of massive floating pyramids. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's not something exactly. outside of the UFO canon. No, not mm-hmm. at all. That's Actually, kind of a fun concept. I'm immediately thinking of the visuals from that Prometheus movie that was released, what was it, like a decade ago? Mm-hmm. And that whole idea that that landscape, it, the landscape disguised the entire ship. And they end up, right. remember that in the very last, like, the climax, they end up, like, bursting out and the whole thing yeah. falls apart. Totally. Actually, but Amber, like, as recently as 2021, there's been pyramid-shaped UFOs reported, which yeah. is wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the end of 2021, there was actually a leaked video uh, of showing a, a, a pyramid-shaped UFO that flew over a U.S. warship. Uh, later, this was acknowledged by the Pentagon that it was totally authentic. There's still, it, it's, it's still unsure whether or not it was some type of drone or not. Interesting. Very strange. Even more Uh, recently in Ukraine, 2023, some UFO researchers have pointed out that there's been triangular-shaped craft, um, some of it being associated with potentially secret military technology Hmm. that apparently has been seen. There's also been objects seen over, uh, oh, how do you pronounce this area of Mexico? Zacatecas? (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Don't know. I've never been to that area of Mexico, but 2018, again. And I think the most prominent one, I had to mention this because this came up when I was looking at Joshua Tree National Mm -hmm. Park. But in 1986, there was this really prominent story with this guy named Zane Radford Mm -hmm. and his family who were at the time living on the outskirts of the park. 
and they were awoken in the middle of the night by these massive vibrations. And his mom was like screaming earthquake. So they all vacate the house. They all run out of the house. But what they see in the sky is this massive base of like what seemed to be a three-dimensional flying pyramid. The base became illuminated with like this super bright white light as it stopped perfectly. Mm-hmm. And uh, they lost time. This was an abduction case with the Radford family that we won't get into right now. But mm-hmm. uh, a, pyramid, that, a pyramid-shaped yeah. UFO in, that, been... in uh, Joshua Tree. California. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one for sure, and we'll cover that more in depth on that uh, part two. Of that's the, right. The Joshua Tree episode for patrons there. But, um, you know, what's funny is it's even reminding me of, uh, I was just watching an Unsolved Mystery the other day, and they were talking about this rash of UFO sightings. I think it was 1989 in Belgium. Okay. And this was like, reported by their air force or was reported by their ground force they the ground force followed it for i think it was over three hours and this particular craft had it had it was triangular shaped okay the base and then at each corner had like a huge bright light with one in the middle and then so they watched this for hours apparently there was like different lasers there was like a, seemingly like an orb that was directing the lasers and then it was floating all over the country it was sighted by hundreds of people and then in the end, it actually transformed into, like, I think it was just, like, a light beam and just, just like... And just, just, just Yeah. So just basically transfigured itself into something else. Right. Which is another common phenomenon. I remember we covered that in depth in the Charlie Red Star episode. We yeah, that's right. Yeah, ago. morphing shapes and sizes yeah. and colors and mm-hmm. so many different sort of phenomena associated with it. Bizarre. So you think this is a crashed or, like, a... Like kind of stashed. Maybe it's not crashed. It's just stashed. Yeah, it's still operation. Yeah, stashed, but potentially by like a an intelligence that isn't capable of even coming back for it now. Maybe. Maybe like something happened. Gone. Something like that. Mm -hmm. But I I wanted to come back to this as well too. This idea, just because on in this documentary with Linda Moulton Howe, they brought up the face on Mars and pyramids on Mars. And that also was a big red flag for me, so that I kind of <laughs> yeah. struggled a little bit with that. Mm-hmm. But I do, alternately, love, love the concept of pyramids being associated with channeling energy for purposes of travel mm-hmm. <laughs> and potential communications. Very Stargate. Very, very oh, Stargate. Yeah. <laughs> but I, do, I am a firm believer that these are potentially, like, basically Earth batteries. That they could be, that they were potentially used for things beyond... Uh, just just burial, and I think they're completely associated. I, I why why would anyone think that being buried in a pyramid, using it as a necropolis, and potentially being sent to to another dimension, the other world, the afterlife, mm-hmm. why wouldn't that be associated with energy creation? Like those two things kind of go hand in hand for me, or just like the uh, not even creation, but literally like the harnessing, just like whatever, the, yeah, like the the, the means of opening the gateway, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, they need like a like a spark, so to speak, and like the oh my gosh, the body could be the spark, right? Freaky so, man. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, the idea of it could be in a ship. We already tossed out the idea of it being like essentially a gas station, a power station, a, a Tesla, a station. Tesla, a, des- a Tesla charging station. <laughs> now long forgotten, it's out of service. <laughs> it used to have really good old fashioned, classy service. They would come out, they'd pump, they'd clean your windshield, they'd do it all, and now you'd either have to do it yourself, but you got to yep. dig beneath the, the surface of uh, the Alaskan ice to do it. Yeah, it's there's a, that. Long since antiquated. And then, you know, I mean, just to tie it into my Stargate idea, I mean, Linda Bolton Howe really helped me out there because they brought up these structures on Mars that are pyramid-like and the alien astronaut theorist idea that the face on Mars is a a very real constructed megalith 
of a face, which has been wholeheartedly disproven. Yeah. Uh, the pyramids on Mars have also been completely disproven. It's been shown that they have, uh, they show, even though similar to the idea of talking about the Black Pyramid of Egypt, a real one, a real structure, these are even like more eroded as natural structures, right? Like they're clearly just mountains. They clearly are mm-hmm. not symmetrical. They have erosion that is just as you would expect on a mountainside. But could they fall it's, into that other camp where it's like one of those, like the Black Pyramid? That is the question. Mm-hmm. I guess that is the question. We'll never know. Right. Maybe we will one day, but... Well, that sort of leads mm-hmm. us into this next idea. Is this a hoax? Is this fake? Is Linda Moulton Howe How? hamming up ideas? Is Mutchler just full of shit? Is he even a real person? Is we he? did find him, like, yeah. listed in a bunch of, you know, databases, it's but it's too, not... But... It's a super common name. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things where... At this point, yeah, where can we find more evidence, really? The broadcast will probably never be able to recover, I would imagine. There's basically only one person fueling the story beyond Moulton Howe and her attempts to sort of weed out of the woodwork further sources, which, again, are dubious at best, if you want to phrase it that way. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, you wrote it in here, so it's like, like, okay, first off, the broadcast. It's like... (laughs) Was this accidentally aired, or did someone deliberately air it, knowing that they were going to get in trouble? Yeah, for it? who would have been responsible for that? Right, and why is it that only one person remembers seeing it? <laughs> like, is this the Mandela effect, or like? Well, that's just it. We don't know if that's the case. Yeah. He he doesn't go back and say, "Okay, I'm going to go call up all my buddies from that day sitting in the break room and ask, and people. ask them to talk to Linda Moulton Howe." You know, mm-hmm. eight years later, you know what I mean? Like, maybe he just was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe. Hey, you remember gain... that break room and that thing? And now I'm talking to this lady who at this point is kind of just going to UFO conferences and stuff. Because she used yeah. to be a mm. very prominent journalist. And I guess mm-hmm. we, we kind of skipped over all that at the beginning of this because we wanted to just get into the story. But can we really trust anything Linda Moulton House says? Yeah, exactly. She started off her career quite, you know, prominently, mostly focused on environmental issues and did a lot of like in-depth articles on things like that, but it evolved over time into more, like, paranormal reporting. She Mm -hmm. became this more controversial figure linked to these very dubious paranormal subjects and reports and things like this. So she looking for something flashy, something to grab headlines, something to sell books, something to prop up her YouTube channel. Just to to have fun with it, even. Like, I feel like these people sometimes... I don't think think Linda Moulton Howe has a lot of fun, judging from what I've seen of her. (laughs) However she would describe it. I think it's just, like, her modus operandi. (laughs) And I think a lot... We've come across a lot of individuals like this in this in this world, like doing this show mm-hmm. where people just get so, so wrapped up in this, in these ideas. Like it just, it's like a religion. It I becomes like a religion. It's like a cult. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I might, maybe not quite go that far. Yet. <laughs> She's a cult leader. She's a cult. I mean, she started off <laughs> like, you know, honestly enough, right? 1980, she produced, uh, this documentary called a strange harvest, uh, this hmm. was her first sort of foray into the world of UFOlogy, suggested that these unusual wounds on cattle were potentially the work of extraterrestrial oh, beings. right. I forgot she was and the And that the U.S. government was possibly complicit. person. Yes. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. She, alleged, she apparently received a, a regional Emmy Award for that audio. Regional Emmys, hey? That exists? I... <laughs> Does that exist? I don't know. That seems like that seems a bit dubious too. Okay, I, I and know. again, that is pulled from her website. Really? So mm. okay, let's just move on know. from that because Jeez. it gets a little bit more. You know, it, you know, it gets interesting from there. Do you want to read this quote here from Joe Nickel? 
Or well, it's, it, it, there's a quote. It's just a general quote, and then Nickel has a few within it. Because things kind of take a turn from there, right? Um, in the eyes oh, of a lot I of people. Oh, I see. Yeah, he's got some There's a few issues we have to deal with it. when it comes to, to Linda Moulton Howe, unfortunately, because I want to believe this story, but... Yeah, no, like, it's funny. Okay, so it says here, she has proposed that some of the photographs of crop circles can show evidence of mysterious energy that she terms visible light phenomena, which, okay. Okay. And Joe, so Nickel here, he's describing how as, as a credulous journalist... Journalist, I should say, in a 2002 article of the Skeptical Inquirer magazine saying how the photos that she published reported to show mis- mysterious energy that are simply misinterpretations of photographic accidents. So she's a, ro- she's a rod fan. She's a rodder. Yeah, for sure. It's like, you know, this could be caused by the camera's wrist strap reflecting the flash, circular artifacts caused by floating dust, even just uh, just different light sources and things. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah no, I... I credulous journalist is kind of a, a, I don't know, I guess that's a very kind way of phrasing it. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, it's just trending in, into the type of documentary. Like, if you guys go, it's on Tubi. It's called Aliens Among Us, Alaska Pyramid. You can watch it. Uh, we uh, we mm-hmm. pulled a lot of info from that for this, but also from other podcasts and, and reading quite a few articles as well that had a lot, yeah, a lot of tweaked information like i feel like she changes a little bit of her story as she goes along here too she's just sort of like kind of fitting the mold yeah just kind of fitting as she goes and uh but yeah it was after even after this you know after the early 2000s she became even more of a staunch advocate for the ideas that were that amber just mentioned uh what did you call this the light visible light phenomena other sort of interdimensional (laughs) phenomena you know uh Showing up at UFO conferences, showing up at the at the conventions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely prominent conspiracy theorist in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Um, so in a lot of ways... With in very connect- little evidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's No evidence. That's what John Greer wrote about her. Little to no evidence. And these are people that we don't necessarily... I wouldn't... I mean, I don't disrespect... Actually, no, I disrespect him all the time. Joe Nickel, he's a good journalist, he just is an, he's a hundred percent skeptic, right? And that's his job. <laughs> yeah. So that's what it is. What it is, and the I totally agree with skeptic, him. I totally agree with him on this. Honestly, yeah. I, I, yeah. So in I many ways, this is like perspective more and more these days. Really, yeah, fine, but. yeah. So this is kind of like reminding me a lot of Graham Hancock uh, when we talk about the Black Pyramid as being potentially like you know a more ancient structure. And he's the guy behind the Ancient Apocalypse series on Netflix. We've yeah. mentioned him before. Yeah. Very controversial figure discussing ancient civilizations and unknown civilizations, even though a lot of his ideas are, are the same ones that we talk about in, I think, a lot more of a fun, carefree way. Mm-hmm. He does it in maybe a little bit more of an offensive way. But it totally reminds me of Linda Moldenhow. It's kind of just like, oh, I'm just going to take one idea and just, yeah, just kind of like run run with it. It's like, it's literally just Muchler. It's Muchler's story. It is. In a room, and then two people that are completely anonymous. So mm-hmm. how, how we can't take those they as first-hand know, accounts, yeah. right? They don't count. Like, that's even worse than sources from the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, we actually <laughs> can take it as a second-hand yeah. account. And it we'll count- stand up in court. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, right. Like, in a history paper, you can be like, this was a second-hand source. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We, we can't even call these that. No. Like, she can call them that. But if they're anonymous, they could have just been from her. We don't know. Well, there's no confirmation. There's no independent confirmation. How much do we trust her? So Slash I'm, this other guy. I am, I'm struggling with that a little what bit. What if Muchler doesn't even exist? I'm struggling with it a little bit. It's, it's very loose. It's very... There's a lot of ambiguity with this whole story. But it is really fun to think about. And um, you know what? Maybe It is fun to think about. 
if you ever found yourself in a situation like Mutchler, you know what I mean? Like, what would you do? I would absolutely be doing the same thing. Like, I would have mm-hmm. gone to the station as well and tried to find a copy of it. Or mm-hmm. Too bad it wasn't back in the day where you could have just flipped out your phone and mm-hmm. taken a video of the of the broadcast. No kidding, yeah. And had that as proof. And it is also a little yeah. bit curious that you didn't really call up one other person from that room. You didn't keep in touch with anyone? Yeah. Well, there was one quote I saw from him that was like, he tried to call his friends and family to see if they had a copy of it, and no one did. But he never really went back to those people, as far as I'm aware. Right. I might have missed that part. And why wouldn't have Linda Moulton Howe have put out a, a like, put out a couple of newspaper articles, a couple of local ads, uh, you know, in Alaska looking for information from, from people from 1990, from the nineties mm-hmm. saying, did you see this? Yeah. Not just not like, not just, on her website. not just on your website and on your mm-hmm. socials. Cause that's just, that's the audience. That's your, your, your audience. Audi- your audience yeah. is the UFO you need to go community. Beyond that. Exactly. Right? You want, mm-hmm. you want Betty Sue and, and, and her husband that are like, you know, don't even know what a computer is. Exactly. That are like, I remember that. Very limited audience. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyways, mm-hmm. we want to know what you guys think. Yes. I mean, ultimately, I feel like I, I struggle with believing it, it it in its entirety, but the concept of a pyramid buried beneath a mountain somewhere in the remote Alaskan wilderness or potentially beneath the ice of Antarctica is just the, my bread and butter. I love that <laughs> shit. And I do think that it's possible that there are structures that are remnants of a, a, a pre-industrial, a, an industrialized civilization long before us. Yeah, pre-industry uh, industrialization. I just think that that evidence maybe is still out there. I, I think it's still, it's possibly still out there. I'm not buying into the Hancock stuff, but I think it's potentially still out there. It's okay. We want to know what you guys think. Did Muchler actually see this broadcast? No kidding. <laughs> uh, and was it much more mundane and he just hammed it up? Does this structure exist? Is it man-made? Do you think it's alien-made? I don't even know at this point. We've tossed out so many different ideas. I really want to have your guys' opinion on this because I actually don't know which way to go. I really don't know which way to go. It's all just, yeah, it's all fun to talk about. So yeah, hit us up. Into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We haven't gotten as many emails lately. We'd love to get some emails from you guys. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Into the Portal Podcast, on Facebook at Into the Portal Podcast as well, on Twitter at Into the Portal One. That's the number one. And you can hit us up on any of those channels as well, and I'll try to respond to you. And I'd love to hear your, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear what you guys think about this this case. We would, yes. Uh, into the portal.com. Into the portal. Check out our home base. Amber's actually revamped the website, so it's looking really cool. There's a lot, we've, There's uh, some stuff we've up added there. some cool artwork we and could- stuff. Update it again, I think, though. Yeah, <laughs> already. Yeah. I know. But the aesthetic is different, though, and it does look cool. So intotheportal.com. Definitely yeah. uh, hit us up and, and check out what Amber's done up there. And then Dark Artifacts mm-hmm. launching very soon. We have been talking about this for three, four years. <laughs> we have. And we. it's kind of funny. We're looking at some of the pieces right here. Yeah, we are. And they're really cool. And it's funny we're talking about this Black Pyramid because the... Uh, the actual logo for the company is a pyramid. Yes, it is. Absolutely stunning. We've got some really cool pieces, and they're coming out soon. Made by Nick Littlefield at I Really Love Pixels on Instagram. Check out Nick. Yeah, all of all He's his amazing. designs. Um, cast in, yeah, like you said, like bronze and silver. We're starting really off cool. with bronze and silver. We may or may not do some in gold, 10 karat mm-hmm. gold as well. And we're mm-hmm. really excited. You guys are going to love these. It's uh, It dabbles. So far, we've got five pieces kind of touching on a few different aspects of the paranormal world that we've talked about over the years. So yeah, we're really excited to release that. So check us out on Instagram at Dark Artifacts. 
uh, ancient precious metals used to cast uh, a series of exclusive artifacts unearthed from the dark corners of our world. Ooh la la. Treasures, <laughs> myths, and monsters, people. It's all the stuff you love. Yeah. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Really excited about that. Massive thank you to all of our Patreon supporters yes. and our producers, Adam Kellums, Kitsune, Jared Cornelius. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for your patience. Thank you for your support. And thank you to all of our patrons on, yes. at patreon.com. Really appreciate you guys you are all. amazing. Uh, you can become a patron, patreon.com slash into the portal. It really helps support the show. All that mm-hmm. money has gone such a long way for like different, all kinds of different things we've done from upgrading things. Books. To, from the books, the research books, like so much stuff. So much um, cool stuff. Obviously yeah. helping with the website and things like that. So that's been amazing. Oh, yeah. And uh, All those fees, man. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you guys so much. If you if you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. And uh, until next time, on Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bizarre.